0: are listening to the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. <laughs> hey folks, Justin here. Just a quick word before we dive into this week's episode. First of all, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and you're looking forward to a Merry Christmas and all that bullshit. Anyway, this week's episode features one of my personal favorite guests and people, Mr. Michael Goff. You know, he's a veteran voice actor. You guys probably know him as Deckard Kane from Diablo or maybe Gopher from Winnie the Pooh. Jason and I just had a blast talking to him you know, about music and everything else in between. So stay tuned and maybe you'll get to hear Deckard Kane freestyle live on the show. Hope you enjoy. And... Also, if you're listening to this and you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you're listening. It really helps and shit. Anyway, here you go.
1: Monsters, madness, and magic. You're finally awake. Hello. Stay a while and listen, traveler. Traveler will enlighten you on all manners of monsters, madness, and magic. Greetings, boils and goobles. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper, here, reporting dead from the Sanctuary of the Strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature one overflowing with monsters, madness, and
0: magic. <laughs> All right, Michael, take us back in time. What sort of films, fiction, books, etc., were you into as a kid? What made you tick?
1: Oh, wow, interesting. Wow, okay. Hmm. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I eventually at some point inherited the family TV because we just had one TV <laughs> and it was a TV that was on wheels. It was a Zenith TV oh, yeah. It sat on a stand with long legs and you could wheel it around to different rooms, but you'd have to have the, the alligator clip attached to it. So there was always a long cable wherever you went. But... Then eventually my parents got another TV that just kind of took over. So they reluctantly let me have this one in my room, although it was supposed to be restricted. But I spent a lot of time watching stuff in my room. <laughs> I, did have, I did have comic books. You know, I had, I, I, I had books. I don't even remember exactly what I would have been into exactly, you know, I do remember, you know, sitting there watching TV in my room, even when I wasn't supposed to be, you know, with the volume down and oftentimes, or maybe at least sometimes trying to mimic what I was hearing. For for no reason, just because that's something that my that's where my <laughs> imagination took me to.
0: So when you reflect and look back now, would you say that you had a talent at an early age for mimicking voices, or a fondness?
1: You know, I guess so, but it's not even anything that I thought of. There, it's, it's interesting because I remember, so I'm sort of maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but so my first kind of big voiceover job was the Winnie the Pooh cartoon mm-hmm. series for Disney. And that, you know, and I mean, that was kind of a big deal for me. It was a regular, you know, an ongoing thing. And that was the first time that that had happened. And I remember when I was a little kid sitting there watching the original Winnie the Pooh short films from, you know, Once Upon a Time. And I kind of remember sitting there mimicking the voice, several voices, including the one that I ended up getting. Because when when they auditioned for this cartoon series years after the, the short films, some of the original cast were involved and some weren't. It was a sound-alike. You had to listen to the original and try to match it. So, yeah, I remember kind of sitting there trying to do that as a kid, not knowing, of course, that it would actually (laughs) have any meaning whatsoever.
0: You kind of just touched on this. As a voice actor, would you say it's more difficult when you're asked to replicate a previous voice or to establish a, a new voice? It's... Hmm. You know what? In a
1: way, it might be easier to replicate something if it's right in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. As you hear it and you go, OK, I know what that's kind of supposed to sound like. If it's not anything that I have to try to reach for, that's kind of like that Winnie the Pooh character or another another sound like thing that I've been fortunate enough to do over time is the voice of Shrek for video games and commercials and whatever else they would need that voice for. And for some reason, that voice just sort of fit right in where, you know, <laughs> just a little half and half Scottish accent. And it was kind of right there. So, you know, it's always kind of interesting and cool to create a new character, which most of the time, that's what that's what you're doing. So there's a there's a fair amount of sound alike stuff, you know, that you will audition for or that's kind of a non-answer <laughs>
0: No, you answered it. I just got to ask you about that poster behind you, the Invasion of the Saucer Man. What's the story? Invasion of the me? Saucer Man. Yeah, <laughs> that's,
1: it's it's a great sci-fi, like '50s sci-fi movie. I mean, it's it's great because it's kind of crappy.
0: I understand uh, that completely.
1: Awesome. I, you can't really.
0: That looks like something I'd watch. I've been staring at it over your shoulder.
1: Yeah, I kind of set up my little background there. I've got the got that poster and the little lost in space robot underneath it. I don't know if you can see that, but yep. those are, yeah. I just, uh, I got a few, just a few, uh, you know, posters from that era sitting around here just because I like the artwork and and that's kind of an iconic poster even though the movie the aliens in the movie are great it's a stupid movie but it's actually <laughs>
0: memorable. safe to say you're a science fiction fan
1: I am yeah I would say yeah and that's probably I was gravitating towards that when I was a kid, all the sci-fi horror stuff more or less before I go any further I just you know I checked out your website it's very cool I particularly enjoyed the hall of heresy
0: oh yeah Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I haven't done one of those in a while.
1: That was new. I learned stuff. I didn't know about some of those guys. Johan Dippel.
0: That's the Frankenstein guy.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that there was an actual Castle Frankenstein mm-hmm. that you can just, it's kind of open to the public and it's not even, you just kind of walk up to it
0: and just walk around it and you don't
1: even have to pay, right?
0: You should have to pay, right?
1: <laughs> you would think. Uh, I guess there, I just read there's a little restaurant nearby and that's where, that's where they can make some money. But uh, so anyway, thank you for the knowledge there.
0: Thank you for the kind words. I see oh, yes. that you're also a very well-versed musician. So when did you first pick up an instrument? Well,
1: that that actually started long before I ever got into the voice acting thing or even acting. I mean, I, I kind of I got into the acting thing when I was just about done with college because I didn't know well, what am I going to do. So it's something that I try. I thought I'd, maybe I'll try this once before I leave college. Did this one little one act play in college that, you know, I'm still really good friends. And these were student playwrights. I'll get back to your question in a second. <laughs> so in a, it, it was just kind of a whim, really, that I thought, let me try this just because it seemed like it would be fun. And I kind of enjoy reading out loud. So that happened, and something clicked, and I thought, hmm, since I don't really know what the hell I'm going to do, I have this English degree, and I was into music, but I didn't know, I don't know, what am I going to do? So I stuck around in and- college and ended up getting the uh, theater degree also getting back to your other question about music i mean my mom was a musician and music teacher she was a piano player pipe organist so she kind of nudged me into piano lessons mm-hmm. when i was a kid not from her that wouldn't have worked out well <laughs> i would have been like mom shut up leave me alone i <laughs> But she kind of pushed me into taking piano lessons from somebody else, even though I didn't really dig it. I was just lazy and I didn't want to practice. And and then I took lessons from somebody else later, which was a little more. I mean, the first lessons were mostly just like classical, you know, try to read music, learn something and and play it. The next lessons that I had later on were a little more into what are you actually doing? You know, like some jazz, blues theory okay playing some chords and and i just absorbed enough and i had a pretty good ear because i heard music all the time you know i heard my mom playing all the time and i obviously you know listened to a lot of music i got into the kind of progressive rock thing early on because uh, as a keyboard player there was a lot of cool stuff there with like keith emerson and a bunch of other stuff so I did have a pretty good ear and I could kind of learn things by ear and then as time went on I just and I'm still my sight reading is, is like really bad. I can I can sit there and just you know slowly pick through notes, but if I hear something I can kind of work on it and learn it. So I'm and that so that's how that started. It started out playing piano and keyboards and you know I had a couple of cool organs, which I I, I have a couple of different. I've got some keyboards around the place here, which is cool. And then I kind of also learned how to be pretty good at playing the flute and the bagpipes and the Irish penny whistle and the theremin, if you know what that is.
0: I don't, I have no idea what that is.
1: Oh well you'll probably you'll probably think it's very cool. It's it was invented almost a hundred years ago. It's an it was kind of the first electronic instrument oh. and you play it without touching anything. You just move your hands around in the air. Wow! If you, I mean, if you Google it, you find it all over the place. It's theremin, T H E R E M I N, and basically you are you control the volume with one hand and the pitch with the other hand, and it's it senses your movements and it's like a tone which you can change and you can make effects and everything. But basically, it's just one note, and you can just go back and forth and go. Mm-hmm. And you can do, they used to use it a lot with like creepy movies, like. And so I got into that.
0: That sounds really mystical to play. I got to look up somebody playing one of those.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a YouTube clip of me from some live thing. I think it's on my website too. And that was just kind of a jam. And there were actually three theremins and a bunch of vintage synthesizers, but that's just kind of, I mean, there are people who play like, you know, real music on these things, but you can do all kinds of weird effects. Yeah. If you just go to YouTube or Google theremin, it'll, you'll find it all over the place. Well, I'm going to definitely look into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're into weird stuff like that, it's, it's and you've probably even heard it before. Just didn't. Even I probably know it, have but,
0: just watching movies.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, but, so I've, I've kind of been into music since, very early on so well before i got into any kind of acting stuff
0: so if you're picking up an instrument for pleasure what are you playing are you just you prefer synth to pretty much everything else
1: well if i only had one if i could only have one thing i guess it would be a piano
0: mm. i'm sitting
1: here looking at across the room here i've got i've got a piano and on my left here i have a little hammond organ which it's 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 a pretty cool organ because Again, I'm dropping names that probably, you know, you may not know, but Keith Emerson was like the, the god of all rock keyboardists. And this particular organ was the one that was kept by his kind of technical guru as the backup to the one that he used on stage all the time. And he would jump around on it and plunge knives into it and play it backwards and jump on top of it and do all kinds of cool theatrical things. But he was, you came up too. I mean, he was the most unbelievable player of that you would ever hear. And then on this other other side of the room, I've got this Fender organ, which they only made it for a couple of years, uh, so it's it's not super rare, but it's a little bit rare. And then I've got a couple of other keyboards in another room, and a little Moog synthesizer. And, That's really cool. So I mean, and and so keyboards is kind of my base thing, you know. And then, like I say, the other things flute bagpipes penny whistle and there I and mean, i've tried learning and playing the guitar a little bit but I, I don't know why i i can you know sort of play it and just basic stuff but for some reason it's it's just i've got a like a block in my brain about the guitar are you are you uh, into music at
0: all i taught myself bass pretty quick but uh you know that's four <laughs> well, strings <I> love- but <laughs> yeah. four string only you put the if you put the fifth string on there I, I lose it and what kind of
1: stuff are you into
0: usually metal stuff you know i taught myself bass on iron maiden sure so awesome threw myself I'm- right into the fire there
1: <laughs> yeah I, I, no I'm definitely into metal i my brother is a huge metal
0: head so I'm not
1: as deeply knowledgeable in or into it as he is I mean he's i don't know how many metal concerts he's been to but, <laughs> is i
0: your brother mean a musician
1: I, he's sort of yeah yeah he's he's up in the bay area and he's he also got into the whole He teaches acting and he directs and does a lot of directing at a college up there and uh, does a lot of improv stuff. So he sort of went down that path too. And he does, he he plays the piano. He used to play the trombone, which I did too. I used to actually teach trombone lessons to kids. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I, I mean, I listen to liquid metal. I definitely, you know, and there's some progressive metal bands I love. And so I'm, I'm, I'm into it.
0: So what was the catalyst or a eureka moment that pushed you into theater early on? Well, like
1: I said, so I, I was going around the campus at school and college, and I was just about to graduate and finish. And I was thinking, what am I going to do? I don't know. I thought maybe I'll stick around and, and go back and get a music degree. And I looked into that and then I saw how much work was involved. And I thought, that's much work. I don't want to do that. <laughs> And so I saw these signs hanging up around the campus that said audition for one act play. And I thought, you know, why not? Let's, that, that would be fun to try. So I did. And I went and it was like I say, it was the, the playwriting. There was a playwriting class. And so it was the students and they had a playwriting contest, I guess. And the, they chose like the top five and they, and so they were going to take those and produce them. So they were going to cast people to be in them. It was just one performance. So this, this gal, and we are still really good friends and she's gone on to like, I think she won an Emmy for, and she's she's a writer. So she had written this one act play. And so you go to this, thing and there's all these people and the authors are milling around and they're coming up to you and saying hey would you read this can you read this paragraph so I read it and she immediately said come here don't look don't talk to anybody else I want you to be in my play I said oh okay and it was all new to me I had never acted before I had read stuff out loud which I kind of liked so I you know there was rehearsal and then there was one performance of this play And that's, that was kind of the moment that you were asking about. I did it one, that one night it went really well. And I thought, is this like a thing, (laughs) like an actual thing that I could even think about? So I thought, well, all right, let's, let's check it out. So I ended up sticking around in school, in college and getting a second degree in theater, And it did, it kind of clicked. And it's like, okay, this feels kind of right or something, like something I might be able to actually do. So I did, and then I was planning to move to LA to try to see what could happen. And there was a movie that was shot in Santa Barbara. That's where I went to college, UC Santa Barbara. And I auditioned, because I forget how I even heard about it, auditioned. I got cast as like the lead character in this movie. You know, it was kind of a lower budget movie, but it was a it was a real.
0: It's, it's a rose.
1: It was great, and it was shot for a couple of months in the summer right after I finished in Santa Barbara. So I did that, and then. I, I came to LA and the first audition and because there were these agents that had called around to different drama departments asking for recommendations so they got my name and I went and met this agent down in LA and they said okay we're going to send you out on this thing and so my very first audition for an on camera thing was for the movie Dune wow the sci-fi directed by David Lynch yeah yeah who at the time, I had become a huge David Lynch fan. I don't know if you've ever seen like Eraserhead or The Elephant Man. Oh yeah. I was. I mean, it, it completely Eraserhead completely creeped me out. But I I couldn't get it out of my head, and <laughs> I ended up writing a paper about Eraserhead. <laughs> so that was my first audition, but I didn't get it. But but the, these agents signed me and started sending me out on stuff. I didn't really. I had a little part on in a music video and I had a little part on general hospital and I was doing a whole bunch of theater in when I came to LA, which is, that's pretty much what you, you just do that on your own. The agents didn't have anything to do with that. You would just, you can audition for things. And I got into a, a theater company and did a bunch of shows there and, and did a lot of theater while I was trying to do the on-camera stuff. And then the voiceover thing, just kind of happened, I don't know, sort of by accident. I, I wasn't really aware that it was uh, something. I mean, I knew people did voices for cartoons and things. I didn't know anything about it, but I ended up, I took a class and the, the, I remember the woman who taught the class was real helpful and kind of encouraged me, you know, and steered me towards this, trying to get this uh, voice agent because there are agents that just are nothing but voiceover agents. And right. so it took a little doing, but I I eventually did get to sign with this agent who I'm actually still with all these years later. So, and that's when I actually started going and, you know, auditioning for voice stuff and, and actually getting some work. So that path opened up and that's where I, I was still doing a bunch of theater, but more and more, you know, the voice stuff was like, becoming my wow it's an actual gig
0: is acting on stage something that you still do did you continue it I, i i would i
1: i i'm not saying no but i i haven't it's been a few years since the last one i did i used to do a lot like kind of one after another i for a while i was doing like three or four plays a year and each one of them takes you know a few months kind of the last thing I did was it was pretty cool it was a play written by famed sci-fi and fantasy author Ray Bradbury it was it was it was an, a play set in Ireland kind of based on his experience he lived for like a year in Ireland when he was hired to write the screenplay for the movie Moby Dick because the director was over in Ireland at the time so this particular play doesn't isn't really doesn't have any, much to do with sci-fi. There are elements of fantasy in it, but it was this Irish play. So I, I that was that was very cool. So I got to meet him and spend some time. Even oh, some one wow. with him at his house, and it was it was yeah, it was really cool. That is, and nice I got experience. to play a little bit of music in that show, the the Irish, a little bit of Irish music.
0: I'm sorry, I was just going to ask if you had any uh favorite roles to play in your entire career of theater. Some well, of the ones that stand out to you.
1: Oh yeah, well let's see. Yeah, in college, starting out, I, there was this one. Uh, the role of dr faustus you know he sells his soul to the devil to, for immortality and i was i got to play dr faustus and it was this visiting director this guy from scotland and he was he was crazy and it was awesome and then i did like a i'm just kind of trying to skip through some highlights there's a play called the fox which is based on a short story it's a three character play one guy and two girls and it was it was really good i did that at a like a regular theater downtown in Santa Barbara. And then in uh, here in LA, um, well, actually, my first professional acting job was back up in kind of in my hometown of San Jose. And I just happened to be up there visiting once and I heard about these general auditions for the san jose rep which is like a big professional theater company and just before i hopped back on the plane i had an an appointment i went and i did these you know you do monologues prepared monologues Mm -hmm. for the audition and i did them and i was just about to leave and the guy said hey can you read this and he handed me some shakespeare and he just said read read let's read this little scene so i read a little bit of that said he said thank you I flew back down to L.A., and then a few days later, I guess, I I got a call saying we'd like to cast you in uh, The Tempest, Shakespeare's The Tempest. Wow. And they were going to offer me. I was not in any union. And he said, "We can, yeah, we can pay you whatever it was. I think it was like $275 a week, which at the time was like, sure. (laughs) Get get paid to act. Yeah. (laughs) But I also kind of knew in the back of my mind, because I I guess I looked this stuff up, you know, the, the theater union, which is called Equity, Actors' Equity. And I remember that kind of the minimum weekly salary was around 300 maybe. So I just, I was on the phone with this guy, and I, I, I kind of just took a chance, and I could have easily blown it. But I said, well, how would you feel about making it maybe an extra, you know, 30 bucks, whatever, a week, and making it a, a, a union contract? And he, I was like, uh, is he going to tell me to, like, get lost. <laughs> and he said, yeah, okay, I think we can do that. That's how I got into the, the union, which at that time, when that happened, if you were in equity, you could wait a year after your job and then join SAG and hmm. you could join AFTRA. It's everything's different now, but so that was a memorable theater experience. And it was a great production. It was huge. It was in this huge, like 2,500 seat theater with live orchestra playing the live soundtrack for the Tempest. It was a big deal. And so that was memorable. And then, yeah, there've been a couple of roles here in LA. There was a a play called Heathen Valley, which is, and this guy, this character is like this kind of fallen preacher who's trying to kind of redeem himself. It's great. It's really cool. There's a, a play called House of Correction, where this this guy shows up unannounced at somebody's house and he becomes like really good buddies with the wife with them It's a married couple. It turns out he's there for revenge because something some like drug or something that killed this guy's wife. He's, he's hell-bent on revenge against anybody that had anything to do with this drug or this IUD. So this guy, he was one. he was like an accountant for, this, for the company that made this drug or something. So he's targeted all these people. And so he goes in, he gets real chummy with them, and the wife loves him, and he becomes their best friend. Meanwhile, he, he's building an electric chair down in their basement. He's <laughs> anyway, those are a few of the theaters.
0: I <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that your brother uh did some improv and Whenever we talk to folks who do a lot of voice acting, they actually say that improv helps you more than having a great voice. Have you done improv yourself?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, you just have to, I mean, it just helps to be able to think on your feet. You know, sometimes they'll tell you don't deviate from the written word. But other times, and I'm talking about, you know, mostly when you're auditioning for stuff. It'll say, you know, feel free to ad lib here and there. And yeah, I mean, it's just always good. And not that I'm, you know, I mean, I've, I've done improv. I haven't, I'm, I haven't done like heavy duty improv, like some people with like the Groundlings or Second City. And my brother has been a part of comedy sports for many, many years, which is like a whole thing around the country. But I have done some and, I, you know, I've, I've done some, I, I've come up with some stuff. I'll, I'll just mention this. I don't know. If, so th- this is, has to do with Diablo and the character of Deckard Cain, which is one of the, I guess, main video game characters that I've...
0: We are familiar. Mm. <laughs>
1: so, so there's this thing floating around called the Cain rap. I don't know if you've heard that. I have not. Okay. Well, go go Google, go to YouTube. <laughs> It's, it's Deckard Kane rapping. It was an official thing that, that Blizzard came up with one, one time, you know, a long time ago. It was after a session. I think this was maybe around the time of Diablo 2. And they said, um, hey, we've got this thing. The, the music, the composer came up and there was this whole background thing that was already recorded with, back, with vocals, background vocals. And so he said, yeah, we want to do this thing where Deckard Kane is rapping. And they had some lyrics written out, but a lot of it wasn't written. So we just, they said, let's just play around with this. So getting back to kind of improv, I i will take credit for probably at least half the lyrics in the Kane rap.
0: <laughs> you freestyled so, as Kane is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to, <laughs> to jot things down. Yeah, it's, and I don't even know what they're going to use it for if it was going to be some kind of easter egg or if they didn't even know but it's it's just found its way around the internet and you know some people wondered what you know where did this come from who did this but it was an official blizzard creation it wasn't Hilarious. made by somebody else out there <laughs> and uh yeah so you've got you've got Jack kane you know um uh, uh, my name is Deckard Cain, and I'm here to greet you. Now sit your ass down, or I'm gonna have to beat you. <laughs> Horodrim. rodrim. <Hor-hor-hor-odrim.
0: laughs> oh, that's, like great. That. <laughs> that's great. you'll you
1: find it you'll find it easily.
0: How uh, how uh long ago was this?
1: Well, yeah, I I, I believe that it came during perhaps the recording of Diablo two, maybe even before Diablo two came out. So it was well, it had to have been sometime in the nineties. Gotcha, right? Gotcha. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. But it was <laughs> it was it's been a while.
0: While we're on the subject of canes, just tell us how that opportunity came about. And did you have much direction with the voice?
1: Well, as I recall, there was a little bit. And again, it it just sort of happened. Uh, So I do remember that I was doing a session for a company that at the time was sort of under the um umbrella of Blizzard or whatever Blizzard was evolving into. And this was just like an educational software company. And they would do these CD-ROMs that were aimed at younger audiences that would help with like language and, and, you know, math and stuff like that. But there were lots of fun characters to do. so that that was, it was great as a voice actor to get to do a bunch of different, you know, fun little characters. So I remember at the end of one of those sessions, they said, we're working on something else. And we have this character in mind and we wonder if you would, just maybe do a quick audition and lay a few things down. So they had some lines written out, as I recall. And I kind of remember that they, one of their suggestions was that he might sound like, like an older Sean Connery. And they just sort of, I think he was just sort of vaguely described as like an older kind of a wizard type character. And they were thinking, yeah, we kind of maybe like an old Sean Connery. So, you know, it started out just. I, I think I, you know, that <laughs> that direction came from from them. So it sort of it started out that way, and um, I, I think I, you know, read those lines, and then whenever it came to be, they just said, "Hey, remember that thing that you read for? We're going to have you lay, you know, lay some of it down." And I didn't even know what it was for at first. What you know? Is this what is this? Is this another? Is this a game? Games were kind of still a little, a little bit of a new thing, Mm -hmm. you know. Especially you know, Diablo one, but that's that's where that's that's how that all started. But I definitely remember that. You know, let's try maybe like an older Sean Connery type.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask, with your musical background, have you done much uh, anime dubbing? Hmm. Some.
1: I I know some 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 people do tons of anime. Yeah. I actually had a job earlier today that is sort of in that realm. Really? It's a, it's a video game, and I've done, this is, I don't know, this is maybe like the fourth or fifth session I've done over the last couple months, and it was originally in Korean. Um, so part of this is listening to the original line in Korean and just trying to kind of match the, the essence of that line. Not necessarily all the inflections and everything. So, and it's, I've seen, you know, part of it is you're matching actual video. So you have to match the movements and stuff. Other parts of it, there's no picture. So you're just listening to the audio. Uh, So I've seen a bunch of it and it's, it's got an awesome look and it's totally an anime looking thing. There was, yeah, there was, um, so I've done a few anime things. There was a, a video game. Oh man. I'm blanking on the name of it. I'd have to go back. I have to go to my IMDb <laughs> page and look it up. It was a pretty big...
0: Are you thinking of Xeno Saga? Exactly. By chance. Cool.
1: <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. In Jin Uzuki was the character, if, if I'm not mistaken. Xeno Saga. That was one of my first kind of experiences with kind of an anime type thing. But I know, yeah, there are people that do tons of anime dubbing. I've done, it's something I've done kind of rarely.
0: The reason I ask, the only reason I ask is because uh, folks who do do a lot of dubbing say that uh, having a musical background has helped them a lot. Yeah. um, It's a timing thing.
1: This is, this is very true. A musical ear. Now I have done a lot of dubbing, not anime dubbing, but yeah, I've done a lot of dubbing, which is matching pictures. So definitely having a musical ear and just being conscious of pitch and rhythm and all that stuff, because a lot of this, you have to, it has to fit within a certain time, you know, okay, this has to be eight and a half seconds and you've got to match. If you're matching mouth movements, then you have to be like perfect. There was another cartoon series that I was lucky enough to do called uh, tailspin. And they, when I got involved with it, they had already recorded and finished about five or six episodes. And for some reason they just didn't like the direction that this the voice of this character was going, the character of Colonel Spigot is the name. I think they thought it sounded too much like a Nazi or something. So they wanted to change the voice. And I, I remember, you know, going to audition for that and then fortunately chosen to do that character so and then there were more episodes recorded later which were not dubbing but the first five or six episodes it was all done to the already finished product so it was matching all of the timing and everything for that maybe i guess one of the more recent kind of pretty cool dubbing things i got to do was i mean it wasn't yeah i mean it was dubbing I wasn't matching a of, of mouth or anything but it was for the, this movie that came out was it last, last year, the year? Called Ford versus Ferrari, which it got nominated for Best Picture, you know, Oscar, and it was the voice of this race announcer from like back in the 1950s, and it's literally the opening scene of the movie. So you you had to match the timing, you know, before. It, so it was you know, welcome back to the uh, to uh, the coverage of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. The American, you know, the, the, the checkered flag is out. The crowd are on their feet. <laughs> la, 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 la. All Shelby. You know, in that kind of old school style. Right. But that so that was matching, you know, the footage that was already there. So, yeah, dubbing is a whole different skill set, but it's it's great. I I, I like it and I think I I have a pretty good handle on it. And a lot of it may have to do with having, you know, a good yeah. uh, a musical ear, like yeah. you say.
0: I guess to sort of piggyback off that, what would you say um, has been the most difficult role in terms of maintaining the voice, like the most strain on your voice?
1: Okay. I will say two. there are two that come immediately to mind. One is, yeah, uh, maybe three. One, one is uh, Gears of War, which over time there's been, it's, it's the Carmine Brothers. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with yep. Gears of War. Yes. Oh yeah. So for the you know, young um Anthony Carmine gets killed off in Gears of War One. But then somehow he was kind of popular enough that they decided to bring Carmine back. But in Gears Two, it's his brother, Benjamin, alphabetical. Yep. Then Benjamin gets killed. Uh, and then they had a whole thing, you know, a campaign. And they it was tied in with like Raising money for charity. Should Carmine live or die for Gears Three? Clayton <laughs> Carmine, who was like the the biggest and baddest of the three, and and they you know he got voted to, to survive. So and then the voice, you know, the actual voice itself is fine and not really you know shredding. But with Gears of War, there's like just a lot of combat stuff,
0: yelling and this, stuff. Yeah. So
1: it's repeat. You know, you're doing hours of, You know, like you know, incoming.
0: Ah, oh, you don't know,
1: motherfucker, he should die. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, when so there's just a lot of you know. Okay, now we need you to die short, medium, and long. Okay, now you're dying by getting stabbed. Now you're dying by being burned alive. You know, there's just all kinds of different right. things so and the and the other one that came immediately to mind was the uh shadow of mordor lord of the rings um god what's the beginning of the title there, there's shadow of mordor shadow of war
0: uh ah, what is the name of those what are the names of those games the, Jason? First, there's middle the earth middle earth, oh, Shad- middle earth. battle yeah. for middle earth or something it, like that. no battle for middle earth was the strategy one the yeah, sh- yeah shadow of war was the
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right so that was my main character was like, what was he? he who's called Twisted Orc, and so it was all, and that voice even you can just tell it's it's just very shreddy right off the bat, you yeah. know. It's you. What have you done to my lovely <laughs> uh, maggots? You know. My thousands of maggots all really, you know, I mean, I definitely damaged my voice over <laughs> time. Usually, you know, they're all very good about, OK, do you need a break? Get some lozenges and some tea and water. And so and they're always very, you know, pretty aware. But, you know, when you're doing something like that for a few hours, it, sometimes, you know, it takes you can't really talk for a couple of days. The other one that may have taken a toll would be uh, Elder Scrolls. Skyrim only because there were so many lines. Yeah, I was going to say you uh, played
0: pretty much every Nord in that game. So you had
1: a lot to say. That's kind of, I guess, I guess so.
0: They did tell me when I was
1: done after, you know, and this was recorded over a number of weeks. And they said, you know what? You've got the most lines of anybody in this game. And they, they told, it was like 2,500 and something. And, but those weren't really you know, taxing and shreddy, but it was just because it was, there was so much of it. There was one character that was pretty extreme above others. And that was, uh, what's his name? Heimsker, the crazy street preacher who people love to hate, I guess. And he's just somebody that you encounter haphazardly, but he was always, Delos is the one true God. It is blasphemy.
0: (laughs) Okay. So do you use a lot of uh, teas and lozenges and such when you're not working since you use your voice a lot? Yes. I mean,
1: well, I mean, when I'm doing something that's pretty, could be damaging. And I've, up until just recently, because I, w- I was going to this vocal voice teacher like w- once every two weeks. And he, his little student <laughs> was literally around the corner for me. Then he moved out of town. And so I was doing it, you know, over FaceTime for the last few years, uh, but he just, uh, I'm not even actually, he just passed away, I think, but he he became like really sick, couldn't do it anymore, and so I, I haven't even, I'm not even confirmed, but I, I don't think he's with us anymore, which is, he was great, and he worked with all kinds of like famous singers and things, and he was like, he totally didn't advertise, and you wouldn't even know about him, it was all word of mouth. So, you know, I was trying to d- at least maintain my voice and maybe try to reclaim or you know not damage it too much more and so he really helped me with that a lot but yeah i mean i'll drink tea and stuff and try to at least you know if i know i've got something (laughs) bad coming up i'll try to warm up and and as he said you know before you inhale steam that always helps like before you do something so i mean i i don't go overboard and i should probably do more I have a lot of my, you know, sessions with him are recorded, so I can go back and go over those. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it is your instrument, so you have to kind yeah. of, you know, over time, definitely I've lost, you know, my range has gone from pretty high and pretty low to, you
0: know, it's like my high is
1: not as high, my low is not as low. <laughs> but
0: now, do you it, have a recording booth at home?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a booth, it's, it's in a closet, it's decent, It's a, it could be better it's not totally soundproof. I mean, I've got soundproofing stuff in the closet, but I still hear sounds, you know, outside dogs and leaf blowers and <laughs> helicopters. The thing for me, it's 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 not ideal. I've got, uh, so I, I usually use, a, it's a desktop. It's on the desk. It's in the room. The microphone is in the closet. So when I start recording, I go in the closet and I don't see the screen. So Whatever I'm doing, I have to do, and then go back out and do all the editing. So there have been, I can't, uh, many more times than I would like to admit. I, I've, I'm recording. I go in the closet, and I come out, and something, something went wrong. Either I forgot to push the right button, or something just stopped. And I've been in the closet for like 20 minutes, and I come out. I was like, nothing. It's like, oh, go, <laughs> So I've wasted the time. And then I go back and I try start over, and then it's like not. It's never as good as it was the first time. But yeah, I mean I've got this set up. I, I'm kind of in the market for maybe a, a different microphone. I have a good microphone, but uh, you know it's it's a Rode, which and it's really good. And yeah, I those also are good for music. It's the Rode, and they don't make this one anymore. It's the Rode NT1000 which is not to be confused with the there's like the NT1. It's a great all-purpose mic, but, you know, uh, uh, there's like the Neumann and the Sennheiser, which are kind of standard for most places, most studios for voiceover stuff, and they're not cheap. So I'm thinking, I've been looking at, the Sennheiser is a shotgun, large diaphragm condenser, which is what I have, and that's what the Neumann is. And most, I guess, m- more voiceover studios use that style rather than the shotgun, but others do use the shotgun. So I'm kind of thinking about maybe the, the Sennheiser shotgun. But so, yeah, I mean, I've got a, a decent setup at home. It, it, it could stand <laughs> for some for upgrades.
0: For so to date, Michael, what would you say is the best acting advice that you've received?
1: Acting advice?
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Well, you know, it's, yeah, there are different, you know, there are different skill sets for different things, and uh, theater, you know, there's a whole different mojo, really. uh, But everything has to have a a base in truth. Whether it's the most extreme, wacky cartoon character, you have to believe that it's, you know, at its deep level, that it's real. So in a way, that's kind of the best advice. But and on camera acting has a whole different set of skill sets, and that's probably where I have the least amount of you know experience. I've done some, but n- not a ton. The, the 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 voice stuff is you have to be able to tap into your imagination and channel that through this instrument, this of your voice, because it's all being created. I, I did have somebody once. He was he's a voice big you know long time voiceover guy who also taught uh, Michael Bell blazes.
0: Oh, <laughs> we've had Michael Bell on the show.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've known him for years now. I think I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, don't sue me if I'm wrong, but I'm attributing this concept to him, but I think it was him that said, you know, if you kind of envision this tiny little like box floating in front of your face, it's almost like a little stage, a little sound stage. You are projecting your reality into that. So whatever, it's like a, your mouth is a projector that is projecting these this essence into this little stage in front of your face. And I thought that was an interesting way of, of looking at it. So it, it is kind of all about your imagination, even when you are doing something that is totally regimented. You know, if it's like a, like a promo or something, you know, I, I, I get to do a bunch of, tv promos for a while you know i've got you go through these ins and outs in the voiceover world or probably in other phases of acting where i've gotten to do something for a, you know a whole bunch of it for a while and then it and then it stopped and then it's oh okay well no more of that for a while <laughs> but the whole promo thing you know okay you know next Uh, you know, coming up next on an all new blah, blah, blah. And then it's, and things go through changes too. Uh, For a while, it was this this particular thing was like high energy, you know, and then there was a whole thing in commercials where everything kind of got low key and just kind of like, you know, uh, hey, whatever, sign up now. And if you want to, you know, if you're lucky enough, we'll send you a free, say, only at Carl's Jr. There's whatever. <laughs> you know, there's there there are phases of things. You know what? There was one area where you get to kind of combine real acting with voiceover stuff and using your imagination, which is uh, motion capture. And I had done some, not uh, not much. I did I did some once for uh, Call of Duty, which was cool. But then not too long ago, I got to do a whole bunch of it for DreamWorks. And and Shrek, it was this whole series of these little short videos that they were producing for this, for their new online channel. And this was basically Shrek and Donkey having their own talk show called Swamp Talk. You know, it was wearing, we got to wear the tight fitting suit with all the little reflective stuff all over it and, and a headset with a camera that's fixed. So it's like about eight inches or so in front of your face. So it just follows you wherever. So in this case, it's doing the voice of Shrek, but also acting like Shrek, you know, moving. It was like, (laughs) ah, donkey, what are you talking about? And while we're, I'm sorry, I can't slip into character. (laughs) And this was, they had their own like really nice, you know, motion capture soundstage at the DreamWorks Animation Headquarters which started out up in San Francisco and then it moved down here, close right near where Disney is, the, the Disney Studios. So they and so even while you're doing the motion capture, they have you can see there are screens around where you you can see kind of a basic mock-up of what you look like as Shrek and Donkey you know, that's and good. they had this, the guy playing Donkey, and we're both just acting out. <laughs> so you get to, that's when it all kind of boils down to just being able to channel your imagination through the disciplines of whatever those voice and character are. If that makes, that
0: makes perfect sense.
1: Again, you know, I kind of harken back, you know, having a, a little bit of a musical ear always helps everything. I
0: think I guess time to wrap up here, Michael, we're not going to keep you all evening. What do you have on the horizon? I, I,
1: I don't know. I usually don't know. I don't necessarily have anything. Lined up. Now, there are this thing that I worked on today i i'm i'm I would think that this is probably not the last of it I think as as I mentioned this was maybe the fifth or sixth session for this thing I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say understood time, but as I think I already spilled the beans that this is a it's a very anime look it, 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 it's a game but it's it's got a, it's set in an anime universe so it's a very and it's been around for a while so. Now, there's a couple of, well, one thing that I, that has already come out that, and I honestly don't know if there's going to be any more of it, but I have done a little bit more since it came out. So I think it's okay to mention it. And that's the kind of the latest Call of Duty. Cold the War. Ghost, Ghost, Cold War. This, and this was a particular, the the the, the zombie go, going back in time, the, the character of Ulrich Vogel. Is the character's name he was a, like a nazi scientist hmm. <clears throat> and again i'm not spilling anything that i'm not supposed to i hope because <laughs> the game's already out and that character exists uh, but there may be a few there have been a few extra things that maybe those have already come out i don't even know um so that that was sort of somewhat current and that was that was a, a fun you know anytime you get to do a villain with a not uh you know a Nazi villain with a German accent, that's fun. <laughs> um, and there was one other pretty big video game franchise, which I have done and worked on before. So you can kind of, maybe you can sort okay. of whittle it. Now they did have me in to do something recently. It was pretty quick, but they said, you know, we'll be, we'll be doing some more of this. So okay, I don't know. And again, I, I don't think I can mention that title.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm not going to miss you.
1: It involves, I'm trying to say, how can I sort of give you a hint without giving too much away?
0: Have we discussed uh, it already? No. Okay. We've not
1: mentioned it. it. It may or may not have something to do that is something that may or may not have once lived in a cave and may or may not have hung upside down while in this cave. okay that's, that's a good that's pretty pretty okay old. that okay
0: understood, understood. <laughs>
1: yeah i but but again that may may even not be true so
0: <laughs> allegedly you, allegedly you
1: didn't hear you didn't hear that <laughs> i'm trying to think is there anything else I mean that's the well for somebody like me, uh, you know. More there are people who literally never stop working, and so I'm sure they've got things lined up all the time. I'm I don't have anything else that I try to think. Is there any anything that I know is coming? No, <laughs> <laughs> right. which is pretty much that's that's how most of it is when you're an actor. It's like you never know. It's It's like this, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. It's kind of, in a way it's kind of fun because it's a treasure hunt. What's, what's next? Oh, what if there's, (laughs) what if nothing is next? I've certainly gone through droughts where I think, Hmm. All right. What am I going to do now? That's so this, this acting thing is over. Uh, So, but you know, I mean, I'm knocking on wood. Uh, This is how I've been able to make a living for over like 30 years plus with the ups and downs. So, you know, you never know. I mean, you kind of, you know, I know everybody's time comes and goes, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. Thank you guys. Pleasure and good luck with everything.
0: Thanks, sir. i love stay in touch and make sure to send you a copy of this when we get it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Please. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you again. And uh, I'll check out some more stuff. And are are you, is there any musical stuff that I can, check out of yours
0: oh uh we are no there's not but i do have some writing if that's something you're interested in you mean music you've written or just no like just writing? stories <laughs> not music yeah. i'm not a music no
1: i could sure i could even tell by when i was reading like your descriptions of the stuff in the hall of heresy who was it the the, the judge the henry boy the but yeah burner of Burnley, Burnley. or whatever yep that's it yeah it was like it was the way you were describing it was it was it was funny and it was good
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no send me links to whatever i will definitely do that cool all right you have a good night michael we'll get it we'll see you around next time
1: all right thanks you guys you too welcome to the night
0: you think you know night demon